We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helvin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, October 5th episode of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Derek Van Riper and I are going to catch you up on the last minute news, notes, injury reports, etc. to get you ready for the weekend. Just for context, we are starting to record this a little before 3 o'clock Eastern time on Friday afternoon. Uh, first of all, I need to call out the homerism of the Roadwire homepage right now. This I need big, to look at it. I big Packer it photo. Big, big Packer photo. Oh, I'm seeing a Corey Davis photo. You are? Maybe it's the football homepage. Oh Maybe yeah, the football it. homepage. Yeah, is that Aaron Jones? Yeah, that's Aaron Jones. Probably, Aaron. probably doesn't. Probably not going down in that picture either. Probably going to find a way to stay up and get five more yards on that play. I, I, I picture ten guys in your office huddled around a monitor, watching that picture upload, saying, "Screw you, McCarthy. Play him more. Give him the ball." I, I wish our office were more like that. Um, I think there are a lot of people that feel that way, though. I know even even Mario Puig, who's not a Packer fan, he grew up closer to Green Bay than almost everybody who works here, and he does not root for the Packers. Like what? He, I think, is probably as perplexed and annoyed by Mike McCarthy's use of Aaron Jones as anybody in the office because from a basic logic standpoint, it it kind of just breaks down mario's analytical ability it, it goes beyond because there's no analytical reasoning behind the usage right now wait wait a minute he grew up near green bay yeah like north north central wisconsin how old is he he's probably close to 30 so he grew up in, with the brett Favre packers yeah, he grew up he grew up with a packers team that was good every year uh it went to two super bowls and won one who does he root for 
He used to root for Dallas, and I think he realized uh, that that Jason Garrett is just uh, is just a dead end, like even worse than McCarthy. So I, I think he kind of just said, "I'm not a fan of teams anymore. I'm going to root for myself. I'm going to root for my DFS and season long lineups, and I, I don't have a team anymore." I think that's kind of where he went. Wow. All right. I don't I don't understand that at all. But okay. Here here's the other one. So Nick Whalen, who used to host this pod with me a while back, he's the NBA editor now. He's a Jags fan. He he actually, I think, maybe grew up closer to Green Bay even than than Mario did, probably within like 20 miles of Green Bay. He's a little younger, probably like 27. Yeah. But still, like I, I just, I, I don't know how. He, he goes counterculture and, and lands on the Jags, which for most of his life was laughable until, you know, like last season. I mean, I've heard of, I, I remember when I was a kid, kids did that because the Giants and the Jets stunk. So they rooted for, rooted for the Steelers and the Cowboys and maybe the Raiders. But when the Packers were these kids, these guys were grown up and the Packers were good. Yeah, no, it, it seems it. like it'd be pretty easy to buy into a team that's good. But I think it was everybody in my school likes this team. I want to do something different. I think that's okay. kind of where those two guys were coming from. All right, I guess uh, I, I'm not going to try to understand after this. That's fine. All right, folks, let's talk Colts Pats. No more Packers, at least for the ten minutes or so, because we're going to talk about them more on this. So they might they might be the most talked about team on this podcast after that opening you just heard. Colts Pats last night, 38-24 Pats. Um, the skinny running back uh, tree, not really a tree. The receivers are more of a tree. But the, the the running back duo New England last night would suggest that there can be two productive running backs in New England. But do you look at James White and s- moving forward and go, two carries? Hmm. I don't know about this. I think the problem that I've always had with James White is that the Patriots just don't really seem to like him as a runner at all. I know he had the eight carries against Miami. That was in a situation where that game was way out of hand. Mm-hmm. So in a closer game, it just seems like that's not really their MO. Now, I guess it's hard to get more than two carries when you get 14 targets in the passing game. So maybe there's just a little bit of a, if one thing goes up, the other thing naturally has to go down because you're not the focal point of the whole offense. But is James White as a player... This is a fantasy commodity. Is he a lot like Chris Thompson? He's never going to get a lot of carries unless things in front of him break down a lot. And he's heavily involved in the passing game. Good enough to be used almost every week in PPR leagues. But then when you get to like a non-PPR setting, you're kind of worried every week that he could drop to like seven targets and catch four or yeah. five balls for 50 yards and not score. Like that's that's the type of player that I think White is. Because of the way they use him, I think White's probably a better runner than the Patriots give him credit for. I agree. But but Sony Michelle looked great last night. So you, you spend a first round pick on Sony Michelle, you probably have designs on making him a big part of your offense, and, and we're seeing that start to play out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, all all I want from White, to, if if I own him, which I don't think I do anywhere, and that's that's dumb, and I'll mention why in a second. I all I want is six carries. I don't want a lot. I just want six. Because if I get six carries, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get five or six catches. And then I, I then the volume makes me happy. Then I look and I say, I can live with this. Two carries, because like you said, I, I might get five or six catches and then I'm, then, then I'm too low. Then it's too risky. So, But I think it was dumb not to own him in retrospect. Hindsight 2020, blah, blah, blah. We knew Sony Michelle was the first round pick and that they were going to, you know, he, he was going to be a big part of their offense. 
However, James White was the cheapest one. And he had a track record with them. And I know the track record didn't inc- never included huge workloads. But being the cheapest one on that team, it, it just... I looking back like that 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 was the, the the cheapest back on the Patriots just it makes sense especially in best ball I mean that, that yeah. that's the that's the kind of cop-out sort of maneuver with a player who has a lot of variance week to week in his workload as you say oh he's, he's a good best ball player yeah he's pretty good in best ball I mean he's gonna probably pop in your lineup four to six times over the course of the season because of the way things break down the thing that makes everything so complicated with the Patriots right now, is they're back to full strength. I mean, they get Edelman off the suspension. They target him nine times. He catches seven passes for 57 yards. Kind of a a very basic Julian Edelman line. But that was the second highest target total behind James White. You know Gronk's going to get his probably in the seven to ten target range each and every week. So maybe he's effectively their number one receiver. But Edelman, it would be kind of one B in that scenario. He proved last night he's he's fine post ACL tear. Looked looked fine to me anyway. It gets so messy because Josh Gordon is more talented than Julian Edelman. His role could scale up. That could hurt Edelman. Chris Hogan is good enough to do some damage, but now in a position where he's fourth or fifth in the pecking order for targets. And even Philip Dorsett was doing some things in these first four games prior to last night where he looked kind of fringe useful in 12-team leagues where you start three receivers. I cut Dorsett in a 12-team league going into this week with Edelman and then Gordon's role increasing a little bit, or at least looking like it was going to increase a little bit. And I think that was the right call. But I think Hogan's kind of in this weird middle ground right now, too, where he almost needs one of those guys, Gronk, Edelman, or Gordon, to get hurt if he's going to become startable again. And if he's not startable, you kind of wonder, is he actually rosterable in, in a 12-team league with three starting receivers? Yeah. I mean, eventually, yes, but after last night, I don't know. And so. I think he's like a GPP when the price gets down low enough. Mm-hmm. He'll be one of those third receiver flex options in GPPs where, well, he's getting less attention. He's getting more favorable coverage matchups. The Patriots are going to exploit that. But you're still kind of swinging for the fences with that. You're not getting eight plus targets week to week. And you're not looking at him as anything close to a cash game option. So yeah, this is interesting because they just seem like they, with their full complement of players, are a lot like the offense people thought they'd be coming into the season. And that little window where we were kind of worried about the Patriots offense seems to have closed up very quickly with these last yes. two weeks. All right. And by the way, snap count for the wide receivers last night. Hogan, 63. Edelman, 48. Dorsett, 42. Gordon, 18. So still, still low. Still low on Gordon, too. And yep. Very. I think it's anybody's guess as to whether or not he's up to 30, 35 next week or if it's a very gradual sort of progression. It just makes things worse for everybody having him there, even though he makes their team better. Right. All right, other side of that one, um, Hines got it done if you used him, right? That's, I mean, he, well, he didn't get a touchdown. Yards, volume-wise, he was terrific. PPR-wise, he did fine for you. Yeah, that's a 16-point game in PPR, which seems kind of weird. I mean, 90 yards from scrimmage, no touchdowns, 16 points. Right. It's a case against PPR. It is, that's true. The receivers I'm still staying away from. Even if Hilton, especially when Hilton gets healthy, because the receivers got a bunch of targets. Luck, I mean, and the, receiver, the thing with the receivers, luck through, they were losing again. Luck through 59 times. Wasn't last week 62? Yeah, crazy, crazy volume. Um, and then this is weird because, like, Eric Ebron looks great. 
But Jack Doyle's been out for the last two weeks. Is right. he going to look this good with less volume? That's kind of a question. I think they can sustain two tight ends because the receiving core is so weak. I still don't really believe in in Ryan Grant and Chester Rogers. So I think you and I are probably on the same page there. And I think Luck's physical limitations do support a heavier dose of, of short and intermediate passes. So two tight end sets will probably be something they use pretty frequently once Doyle gets back. But this is a mess of a team still. Like the, the, the biggest positive, you know, aside from Luck being healthy enough to play in the first five games, but the biggest positive for the Colts is that Andrew Luck's not taking a beating the way he did previously. Right. The, the offensive line seems to be better, and probably because he's not taking as many shots downfield, he's getting rid of the ball quicker. I have not seen stats on it, but I just I, I would assume, based on the way that passing game is structured right now, Andrew Luck's time to get rid of the ball has been better than in past years. So that's probably helping, too, as far as limiting some of the hits that he's taken in the past. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I finally gave up on Ebron before last night because last oh, week— Oh, no. Last week was the, well, Doyle was out, and he got 10 targets, but he only caught five of them, and he dropped some passes, and he stunk. And I probably didn't account enough for the Hilton absence, too. said, you know, I mean, re- this is really a last-man-standing situation. And yeah, he he produced finally. So um, anyway, like I said I I trust. I, I always say that trust is a funny word in fantasy football. Eric Ebron is still comparatively low on the trust scale. I mean, among everyone, I don't trust anybody, and I trust Eric Ebron less than almost everyone. You don't trust anybody. I don't trust. Who do I trust? I trust Antonio Brown. League league wide, yeah. I mean, really? Who? Uh, I mean, I I I probably trust less than ten guys. Todd Todd Gurley. Yeah, I trust. Okay, I trust Todd Gurley, but it's very few. You should play in like a, a five person league where everybody gets just two players, and right. everybody could feel good. It's trust. Trust is a te- trust is such a bad word. You know, I don't trust people. Remember when people, I mean, how many times has the word, and, and, you know, I mean, I know we're talking about probability and things, but trust? No. I'm, I, I'm a very, dis, is it distrustful or mistrustful person when it comes to fantasy athletes? Uh-uh. I think it's, I think it's distrustful. That football players. Too. I mean, I remember when did, who did people trust over the years? Oh, Sean Alexander. I trust him. He scored 20 touchdowns last year. And then he stunk. Happens all the time. Well, I mean, league wide, I could probably go. A to W through the teams and give you a 10 second reaction to every team. And you probably would find a, a pretty short list. I mean, yeah, it I trust did. nothing in Arizona. I think Atlanta's defense is so bad that the offense is good every week. I'm waiting for the wheels to fall off in Baltimore. Buffalo's terrible. Carolina uses a long tail group of receivers. I don't like any of them except for Christian McCaffrey and cam. The bears have a bunch of talent and a smart coach, but they have a quarterback that's still figuring it out. So not a lot of trust there. Bengals. They're, they're always going to punch you in the stomach when you least expect it. Browns, Hugh Jackson's still there, so nope. <laughs> the Cowboys, yep, J- Jason Garrett, don't trust anyone there. It's Zeke or bust and on that team. Denver, eh, Case Keenum looks pretty, pretty mediocre, so it's Emmanuel Sanders and, and nothing else. They split carries between two running backs. Lions, too many receivers. Golden Tate, safe. Kenny Galladay, fun. Marvin Jones, there only to be a thorn on our side. Packers, I trust nothing because of McCarthy. Houston, DeAndre Hopkins, solid. Will Fuller, don't trust his hamstring, so he misses the cut. Indy, nothing. There's nothing to trust about them. They're terrible. Jacksonville, I trust their defense. Kansas City, I trust most everything as far as the key guys go. They're, they're like the Rams. Like 
the Chiefs and Rams are the two teams you look at and say, I trust pretty much all of their reliable guys. Hmm. Goff's getting there for some people. Oh, I don't trust big... You don't yeah. trust Jared Goff yet? Uh, not completely. I mean, great situation. I get it. But trust? I don't know. Probably. Okay. I mean, fine. He's going to do well. But other weeks, he's there's going to be weeks where he throws the ball 27 times. All right. But you, you trust the Chiefs' Tecmo roster. You trust Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey at least, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't totally trust Tyreek Hill. <laughs> you really do have I'm, some trust issues. I do have trust issues. I mean, like, I, I can see the bad. I, I, I'm looking at wide receiver 20 Antonio Brown right now. Uh huh. So that's, that's a little weird, though. That's that's not. I know, gonna, but he's got three touchdowns, so we can't say that. We can't yes, do the, the touchdown the, regression the, thing. Not not the Beckham defense. No. I mean, the Chargers. You probably trust Rivers and Allen and Gordon. They're they're pretty stable right now. Dolphins trust nothing. Minnesota Thielen Diggs. Yep, Delvin Cook when he's healthy, but not right now. Keenan Allen is wide receiver thirty-five in standard formats. Uh, it's not. Nah, I mean, maybe he's like a fifteen to twenty guy in non PPR, but it's still going to be PPR gold over the course of the year. But yeah, Miami trust nothing. Minnesota pretty trustworthy in the passing game, especially running game. Probably fine once Cook gets healthy. Patriots, they're the Patriots. I mean, the usual things apply. I, I think Sonny Michelle has has entered my circle of trust. He's probably not going to be in yours until like two thousand and twenty two. Totally, but he, he's. He's in mine. I, I like the usage, like the skills, like the team. All that's good. Brady, yeah, Gronk, of course. Edelman, probably back in. Looked healthy last night. Saints, okay, Kamara, Thomas, Breeze. Ingram? You, you going to trust Ingram again? No. Trust for <laughs> what? I, he, I, the, the likelihood of underachievement is too great. And plus, I think part of it in football is the, you know the injuries play such a big factor. Yeah, no, that's a big part of it. Ingram, one thing I, I, I overlooked, I think I may have said this with you yesterday, that Ingram, I had this little shred of doubt that they wouldn't just use him the way they were using him before because of what they did with Willie Sneed. The, the interesting thing that Mario pointed out to me, he said, yeah, but Elvin Kamara kind of jumped into the offense and did what Sneed could do and then a lot more. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just made Sneed irrelevant because they had somebody else that was like a more dynamic version of what Sneed was doing in that offense. And that... That's true. They didn't necessarily have that with Ingram. They haven't replaced him with somebody else who's clearly better. So right. he probably does get his job back. But yeah, it's a wait and see. Giants, sure. Barkley, Beckham, that's about it. That's all you're going to trust there. Jets, trust nothing. Raiders, no. No. Uh, none. I know they're top 10 right now in yards per play, and that's a big surprise. They're probably more of a league average, or even a tick below league average offense for me when it's all said and done this year. If they're better than that, it's volume-based, not efficiency-based. Eagles, Wentz, Ertz, running game, not so much. Steelers, Brown, Juju, Le'Veon Bell, when he comes back, trust him. Ben, kind of so-so. You trust ben Le'Veon and, Bell coming back after after all this time off? Yep. Okay. I, I do. Um, I'm dumb, but I do. Seattle, nothing because of Brian Schottenheimer. San Francisco, Kittle only. Tampa Bay, nope. Mike Evans would be the only thing I trust there. Uh, Godwin and Jackson just take away value from each other. The running game's terrible. The Tennessee situation, no way. maybe Deion Lewis, maybe Corey Davis, but they're kind of having to earn it right now in Washington. No, I don't know what that team is at all. I So you're right. There's probably 25 players in the entire league that you can actually trust. Oh, 
it's way and, 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 and that's for me and you're probably at like six i'm at like six is right your, your, your number went down as i went through that exercise pretty much you know who i you know who i trust cam newton that's who i trust because cam hmm. has because cam newton doesn't have to depend on anyone else he just takes the ball and runs so uh, on that theory does, does watson earn your trust he's starting to yes because it does not, he keeps enough of it in his own hands. So, all right, we got we to keep going. We got to move on. We're going to go on. Remember last week when we said, oh, it's the, sh- it's the Friday show. It's going to be, we're going to breeze through it. And it took an hour. Not yeah. that people don't want to hear us talk for an hour, but we got, you got to watch a Brewer game. So, yeah, I got a little time, <laughs> but yeah. All right, Derek's at Derek Van Riper on Twitter. I'm at JHelpin37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire. Get player updates at Rotowire NFL, or you can find us on Facebook. Week five, buys, bears, and bucks. They played each other last week. They're off this week. Next week, James Winston for the bucks. Injuries out. Uh, again, we're doing this approximately, I'm talking at 3.11 Eastern time on Friday, so keep checking your news in case things change. Leonard Fournette out. TJ Yeldon gets to play against the Chiefs. Evan Ingram out for the Giants. Gio Bernard out for the Bengals. Randall Cobb out for the Packers. John Ross out for the Bengals also. So Gio being out. Joe Mixon has been cleared to play for the Bengals. So he's back and and the and he's the guy in the Bengals backfield. So Joe Mixon, you are you own Joe Mixon. You are rolling, aren't you? You're very excited because they really just can't do can't do as much um, with Mark Walton as they would ordinarily do with Geo in the complimentary role, so that should be very favorable for Mixon. And that game's got a pretty high over-under total, too. So uh, I'm a lot higher on Mixon even just today than I would have been yesterday when there was still kind of this appearance that Bernard might play. But he's out for a few weeks. Yep. Uh, Devontae Freeman not on the injury report, so he should be back for the Falcons in that game against the Steelers with the high over-under. Uh, guys who are to be determined, Dalvin Cook. Uh, we've heard pitch count. We've heard game-time decision. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Dalvin Cook at Philly, and that's a late game, right? So we're going to have to watch out for that one. Um, Devontae Adams, tell me, talk to me about your, your Packers there, Adams and Allison. Are we looking... Devontae is looking a little shaky, right? He's not out yet, but we need to keep an eye on him. He's supposed to practice Saturday, which I didn't even know they really had like a real practice yeah. Saturday, but that's that's what the Packers are doing. I will I will withhold full judgment until we get some kind of report based on what he's able to do. If he if he's full go at Saturday's practice, which maybe won't even get reported because it's not part of the injury report, then you're good to go, you're fine. But Marquez Valdez Scantling, Jamon Moore, and Equinemius St. Brown all ran with the first team offense on Thursday. Like all three of them. And they're all kind of like near or at min salary on the DFS site. So it creates this interesting tournament opportunity. If you want to take a shot, I don't think I would do it. I think the Lions are so bad against the run that this might be the week that Mike McCarthy wises up and says, Hey, the last two times I gave Aaron Jones more than 15 carries, he went over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. And we're playing against a bad run defense. Maybe I should give Aaron Jones more than 15 carries so he can get over 100 yards this week. I agree. I hope he does. Um, Corey Clement was not practicing for the Eagles. That doesn't sound good. Lamar Miller is shaky status for the Texans. You're going to need to watch him. By the way, related note to that, it sounds like Deontay Foreman, who has been on the pup list, is tracking to come back for week seven. Hmm. So that might Forgotten be player. I mean, he had an Achilles injury because I, I think in in the early in the offseason, Miller stock was down and it sounded like Foreman was trending well. And the switch was everybody in their head had made the switch already. And then Foreman's recovery slowed down. 
And a lot of us said, oh, you know, Miller's got a job. And he does. He's not doing a heck of a lot with it right now. But if there, this Foreman would be, it's easy to say stash. I get it. It depends on your roster construction. I get it. But Foreman seems like there's a path there if he's truly healthy. There's a path to some, some major second half of the year production. It exists. He's been forgotten about. He might be freely available right now. And scooping him up maybe going into week six is not a bad idea. But if you can afford to do it now, if you've got kind of a, a dead roster spot, would you in like a 12-team league, would you drop Gio Bernard right now with Mixon being healthy, Bernard being out two to four weeks, and stash away Deonta Foreman, expecting Foreman to overtake Lamar Miller at yes, some point? I would. And, and yeah, Gio was an like easy cut for me in a lot of leagues. I mean, if I had like a 10 man bench, like in the NFFC, maybe I wouldn't cut him there because you're getting full PPR and, you know, you can wait a little more on a player like that. But in, in pretty basic leagues that a lot of people play in, I, I think you got to cut Gio, even though he was good when Mixon was out. Right. I mean, you, you've got guys in leagues. I'm going to go through the Yahoo ownership percentages real quick. Just look at running backs. Okay. So I'm looking at. You might be close to there with Peyton Barber. We're not going to know anymore after this week, though. I mean, Jamal Williams, done, right? Launch him. You um, should be able to get rid of him, You, in, in theory. Um, I, I understand if you're still thinking McCarthy's going to be dumb and, and keep rolling him out there. But um, no, he, he should be a, at least a consideration as a cut. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card, get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. If you, are, if you own Austin Eckler... And and you and, and you can't foresee starting him in in the near future. Do you have you know he's your he could be your fourth back right could be you cut him for Deontay Foreman. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, it's Eckler's probably part of that group we talked about backup running backs that you'd you'd like to hold on to, right? Because they can they can do a lot if they get that chance. Malcolm Brown's in that group. Spencer Ware's in that group for me. You can only stash so many guys like that. Like a right. roster could have maybe two of those guys at most. And then you're just sitting on backups that you can't play when the bye weeks hit. But for one more week, with only two teams on bye again this week, I might have a slightly heavier, useless group of players on my bench. Like presently useless, future value you know, skyrockets if, if things break right. Because if this is the week where Todd Gurley gets hurt... <laughs> And you could pick him up for free with your Gio Bernard cut. You could pick up Malcolm Brown. That is like you would do that, right? Like you, it's it's a it's Absolutely. a free it's a free space. And going into week six, 
Malcolm Brown's your cut if Todd Gurley's healthy. Like you just you have to think about your roster that way, just turning over those bottom spots, kind of thinking about, okay, of these available players, who's going to be the most expensive if something goes their way? Who's the guy I want the most if the starter gets hurt or if somebody loses their job because they're ineffective, you know, whatever it might be, that's how I that's how I manage my bench in the season. And I, I know you can't do it quite the same way when we're dealing with four and 16 bye weeks, but right now we're not. So this is one of those last chances to be a little more aggressive with having three, maybe even four backup running backs in great situations on the off chance that the starter in front of them suffers an injury this week. All right. Um, let's talk streaming defenses. Go down the list here. Under 40%. How about the Cleveland Browns with 12 sacks at home against the Ravens? How about, sorry, Cleveland Browns with 12 sacks, seven picks, and six fumble recoveries? Uh, the Ravens haven't allowed a ton of sacks. They've only thrown two picks so far this season. It's doable, but I think you got to be like in a 14-team league if you're going to stream in the Browns. Okay. Bengals against the Dolphins, 10 sacks for the Bengals, 30% ownership. Mm, I don't love that one. Similar uh, over-under in that game is even a little higher, I think. Similar yeah. range, like 14-team leagues. Kind of a coin flip, really, with with Cleveland. I, I think I like Cleveland's personnel better. So edge to Cleveland if you're choosing between the Browns and Bengals as streaming defenses this week. Okay. I have to chant the next one. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. 21% ownership, 10 sacks against Case Keenum. This is tremendous content, and I hope other members of your family were home for that. They are. My, my son hears it. He's used to nonsense like this. Okay. He's, he's not phased. Not a bit. He's going to be like, oh, you're chanting Jets. Cool. That's great. I think the Jets maybe creep in a little higher for me. I think this is actually a pretty good defense. Yardage-wise, they're they're pretty tight. Keenum, I think, can be susceptible to making some mistakes. He's thrown, I believe, uh, six picks already this season. The Jets have six of their own. Implied totals a bit lower. I would put the Jets ahead of the Browns and the Bengals for this week out of this group. Nice. Um, we always have to pick on rookie quarterbacks. So Niners home against Josh Rosen. Niners home against Rosen. Hmm. San Francisco's defense hasn't really been good at getting pressure. Arizona, because they they play out of such a shell, they don't really allow a lot of sacks. The logic's there. Um, I'd put it probably behind the Browns. I think I'd put it behind the Bengals. Um, so not not one I would necessarily say is a bad idea, but the worst idea of the the ones you've suggested. So so you would play. Two defenses. I know the defenses are different. Teams against Joe Flacco or Ryan Tannehill instead of playing the one at home against Josh Rosen. Yes, and the, again, it's kind of me trying to get inside the mind of, of of the Arizona Cardinals coaching staff where short, quick throws, a lot of David Johnson, Like that's probably their game plan, and that doesn't lend itself to uh, a sack-a-palooza Yep. The same way that, you know, like Buffalo playing from behind, Allen getting chances to throw, being behind a bad line. Like, that that's the clear-cut, like, obvious DFS play that everybody... Everybody picked up the Titans Tuesday night or Wednesday 
as the streaming defense for this week because the Bills have been just amazingly bad at, at preventing sacks. Yes. Uh, I don't think I don't think the way the Arizona offense functions sets up nearly as favorably. Like okay. they're just so conservative and so dumb <laughs> that they just don't open up that many opportunities. You know who's the team with thirteen sacks and it's eight percent owned? The Detroit Lions. Yeah, you know who gives up a lot of sacks? The mm-hmm. Packers. Mm-hmm. You know, you know who has got a, a broken group of receivers that even when their group of receivers is healthy, they're they're running such old, outdated, stupid routes that they can't get open? The Packers. Yep. So who's your, so your favorite is still the Jets? Still probably the Jets. The Lions, I think I would play ahead of the Bengals, maybe behind the Browns. That's probably about where I'm at with the Lions. So one Jets, two Browns, three Lions. Okay. Cool. Yeah, all, all reasonably playable. All right, folks, fantasy draft. They put players first. They have a $100,000 running gun weekly feature GPP with a $25 buy-in. You've got another option this weekend, a $500,000 fantasy draft championship with weekly qualifiers happening right now, and that gets you to a week 16 final. There's super flexible lineup construction. It makes it easier to sweat the players you really love to watch, not having to you know, pay $3,000 somewhere for Equinemius St. Brown or something like that. It's easier to win. Fantasy draft play, pays out at least 25% of the field in every single contest. And it's a, you can get a free $4 GPP ticket with the initial deposit on Fantasy Draft. Just sign up with referrer code ROTOWIRE. So go to Fantasy Draft, sign up with code ROTOWIRE. You get a free $4 GPP ticket. Check it out, Fantasy Draft. Okay, we're going to do our weekly look at plug and plays at different positions before we get to the DFS. Uh, ones I picked out on Yahoo, Yahoo ownership percentages. Mariota, 39% owned at Buffalo. You've got Flacco, 30% owned at Cleveland. Flacco's been playing well. Our man C.J. Bathard, 3% owned at home against the Cardinals. And C.J. was pretty solid last week. Do you like any of those? Do you like anybody else? I do like Mariota the best, which kind of follows that ownership rate. I don't think there's a huge difference between Flacco and Bethard this week. And it's not because I don't really think the Ravens are good. It's more because I think Bethard's going to be competent and Arizona is horrendous. So... Uh, that one to me is a little bit of a tough call. Like if you were scrambling, uh, looking for a quarterback in like a 14 team league and Bethard's out there and Flacco's the guy you've been relying on, maybe because you've had something going wrong at the position, I would be pretty tempted to roll Bethard out there. Okay. The Rotowire projections have all these guys 20th or lower at quarterback. Mariota 20th, Flacco 21st, Bethard 24th. I think the projections are a little light on Mariota. If he's healthy, I think he's kind of a league average sort of fantasy player. Yep. And I think I talked to, might have been Tim this week. I like that he, the last two weeks, he's been running a little bit. That's always been my complaint with him since he's been a pro. I thought he would run more in, in the last two weeks where, I mean, I don't know if it's, if it means a lot, but it might. Running backs. Um, we're going to cheat on the 40%. Nick Chubb's at 41. How much work do you think Nick Chubb gets? I would set the over-under on touches at 10.5. What side of that would you be on? I would be under, but I like where your head is on that. And that's still like uh, you want him him to get more. You you can talk yourself into flexing him if you need to. I think you'd really prefer to wait one more week in season-long leagues before before taking that leap. Yep. Um, I have Mike Davis here at 20%, but I can't see a chance in hell that I would use Mike Davis. No, that'd be very desperate. I I don't I don't even know if, if we've seen really an update 
on Chris Carson. He was practicing a little bit earlier in the week. I guess Friday morning, Pete Carroll said Chris Carson is on track to play. So you got Carson, you got Davis, you got Penny. It's a total cluster. Bad total offense, cluster. bad matchup. So the next guy I think is interesting. Ty Montgomery is 18% owned. So if the Packers, let's say they come out of tomorrow. Let, let's just, let's say Devontae Adams plays. Because if he doesn't, then it's a, it's a complete mess. Even, but if he plays, let's assume that Cobb and Allison don't, which is where we're trending. Cobb's already out. Allison, you know, concussion. Has he, I don't know if he's been declared officially out yet, but he's probably going to be, right? I saw last he still hopes he can play, but he was not cleared right. through the protocol yet. Do, do, they, do the Packers, do, do you see a scenario where the Packers fill their receiving holes with Ty Montgomery? I don't think they would run him out there for a full game's worth of snaps, but I think there could be some formations where they would put him in motion, send him out wide, and and have him match up occasionally against maybe a linebacker or something and really have a, a nice mismatch in coverage. So his usage this week could tick up a little bit. Because they don't run him that much, that really still makes it kind of a, a leap of faith, but... If I'm looking at him versus Mike Davis as a lottery ticket, I'd much rather take that chance on Ty Montgomery. There's a few more paths for him to be useful this week than there are for Davis. Okay. Um, the other one that I was looking at is Corey Grant on the Jags. Just because of, you know, with Fournette out, I mean, Yeldon's pretty solid. But Corey Grant, what did he do last week? Hang on. I'm going to take a look at how many snaps he got. Seven, seven snaps. Seven snaps, that's it? On offense, yep, yeah, seven. Yeah, that's a bummer. Okay. Um, and for, well, for, how long did Fournette play? It was relatively early, right? Yeah, he left pretty early. Yeah. I mean, there there's definitely an argument to be made against TJ Yeldon as an efficient back. I just think they trust him a lot. They like him as a passing down option. And I just think it's really hard unless Yeldon's ankle injury and Unless something else comes up, I don't know if Corey Grant gets enough touches to All right. to be viable in most leagues. He's he's kind of on the the fringe, though. We talked earlier about some of the guys that you might stash away going into this week, kind of just see what happens. I mean, Leonard Fournette's probably down for a few weeks. Right. And if Yeldon were to, to get hurt, then Corey Grant's in a really nice spot. So he he's potentially worth stashing in some of those situations where you have a, a cut readily available here at the end of the week. Uh, why receive anybody? Any other running backs you, you got in mind? I don't think so. No. All right. Um, why receiver? Uh, my list here: Antonio Callaway, twenty nine percent. Taiwan Taylor, ten percent. You said you liked Mariota. That might play into a again. We're in the break glass in case of emergency category of the show, so Taiwan Taylor might be an option there. Would you rather play Taiwan Taylor against the Bills, or would you rather play? Mohamed Sanu against the Steelers. I think it's close, right? Of, no, well, no, because I think the type of game that each will be lends me to go towards Sanu. It's a good question. But, I, I don't think there's that much of a difference. I mean, I think Ridley can make things a little more difficult for Sanu, whereas Taylor could be the number two maybe behind Corey Davis. Yeah, but you're in scaling a, down production is a big deal, though. This is this could be the the ultimate restrictor plate game where where nobody 
no one really does a lot offensively. The Titans could just win this like 20 to 3 or 20 to 6 or 20 to 10. Right. And you'd say, oh, okay, they did it in kind of an ugly way. Maybe it's actually a good Derrick Henry week. I, I, I'm not high on the depth Tennessee options this week because of the game script. I think people might overestimate volume on them because of how things played out in a totally different scenario against the Eagles last week. Right. I mean, the over-under in this game is 30 in Texans, Titans Bills 39 and a half. So wow. that gets you to that gets you to twenty two and a half for the Titans. Yeah, not um, not real excited about that. No, um, Christian Kirk, any interest after last week? Are I you... still think that that makes a little sense. Somebody else has to catch passes beyond Fitz uh, and beyond David Johnson. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's fourteen team leagues and, and deeper probably right now, or NFFC style big bench leagues where he was already picked up. But uh, I wouldn't give up faith just yet with christian kirk there's a lot there and i think rosen getting that starting job ultimately gives him a shot to be useful at some point and it might not take that long i think you're right about that one um one name i've seen a little bit this week considering the saints some of the saints defensive backfield struggles paul richardson that's he's more he's such a a boom bust type but i mean it's that means seven percent owned again do you maybe yeah, if you were in a position where you were going to play Geronimo Allison and you find out he's not going to play, like maybe Paul Richardson's a slightly better pickup than the rookie receivers in Green Bay this week. Right. Um, the other one is, uh, what about Martavis Bryant after last week? He was involved, right? Yeah, he's so hard to trust. I just, I don't know. Oh, man. yeah. I, I agree with that. Up to seven targets, though. Like, How weird is his path this season? Mm-hmm. They overpay for him to get him in a trade. They cut him because they're disappointed. They sign him back. And each week he's received more targets. He's played more snaps than the week before. Like, what? what yeah. is happening here? And the Chargers, you know, they've been a little generous to opposing receivers. You would think Casey Hayward's going to be focused elsewhere on Mark Cooper. Hmm. Possible. Yeah, it it. it, it Definitely makes sense that one of Bryant or Jordy Nelson will be productive this week, and I think Cooper can be productive even with Hayward on him. I'm, I'm writing down Martavis as a GPP. Okay, just writing that down. I guess Do you can it. Say yeah, that about a lot of people, but scribble it down. We can see a path here. He dropped one last week, right? Didn't he drop a touchdown? I Martavis? do not remember. I think he did. Um, that that definitely sounds like something he could have done. Yes, totally sounds like him. Uh, tight ends. I mean, the, the whole position is a break glass in case of emergency after the first four guys, so or five guys. So it's just a disaster. But uh, I'm I'm still I wouldn't say I'm holding out hope. But if I had to, the snap count stuff still argues for Ricky Seals Jones, even though he's lost some last week. I think to Jermaine Gresham, right? Yeah, he's still kind of like that pass catching specialist. The position offense maybe has some dead cat bounce, but. I think the move I'd be making if I were in a, a really bad place at tight end, Nick Vinette might be mm-hmm. the kind of guy that ends up being sort of useful. Like some somebody, somebody else can be useful in Seattle behind Baldwin and behind Lockett. They were using Will Disley in ways that I really didn't expect. So I think we're going to see Nick Vinette get out there a lot and and being out there, having to block a little bit, and then maybe getting out into space after throwing a block, he might end up being a, a pretty steady check down option for Russell Wilson. Nick Vanette. Wow. Do I have, I have Nick Vanette somewhere. 
This is what it's come to. I think I cut him in fishbowl. <laughs> and now he's useful. Potentially. So, all right. Um, Ian Thomas on the Panthers. I have, I have a sneaky feeling. You like that guy a lot. I do. Cam, Cam threw him in the end zone two weeks ago. And went right back to him five times last week. It's possible. It can happen. I like him better than Swaim and, and Jeff Herman. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Ian Thomas said he, he, he showed well in the preseason. I like him. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, all right. That's an, yeah, that's a, this is tight. Talking about tight ends like that depresses me. I mean, talking about the top five tight ends depresses me, or guys right after it. So the rest of them, this is just brutal. So DFS value report. Let's go to, you know, let's go to Fantasy Draft first. Fantasy Draft sponsoring today's show. Um, fantasy draft, the quarterbacks at the high end of the road on the rotowire DFS value report. Derek Carr, I'm seeing Derek Carr's name a lot here. He is far and away the best value at a salary of ten thousand two hundred on fantasy draft at a, in a game with an over under of fifty two and a half. Um, I mean, so his teams teams project points twenty three and a half. Uh, at the Chargers, but Derek, this thing is like in Derek Carr. I like him in cash games this week, and I, I think you were surprised when I said it yesterday, but yeah. I'm, I'm sticking to it because the price is so low. You can pair him up with Cooper. You get a lot of freedom to pay up at the other positions when you do that. In cash games especially, I think it makes a lot of sense. Tournaments, sure, maybe you want to say there's a, a cap on just how much they can go off even in that matchup. Even that, I feel like, is a little bit of a stretch. I think this game could be one of the biggest shootouts on the board, and the over-under reflects that. All right. Uh, the running backs, pretty standard stuff. McCaffrey, Kamara, Yeldon. Uh, well, James White was fourth, and that, they got him okay. And Kareem Hunt. So pretty chalky there, it looks like. Uh, wide receiver, who's at the top of the list? Here he is. Oh, he's I hope not it's Amari Cooper. Well, the two, actually, the two top ones of the guys from last night was Chester Rogers and Zach Pascal. Hmm. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. There you go. Yeah, I don't think so. No? You're not buying? No. But, the, but the, the value report says you have to. Well, yeah, but the value report would say that the gumball machine in the lobby at Denny's is good value because you're getting a <laughs> lot for a quarter. Like, you still want something good. Like, if you have $5 in your pocket... You're not going to take I don't know, 20 spins on the, the 25 cent gumball machine at Denny's. All right. My kids always play the claw, by the way. The claw's awesome. I'm sad that the claw machines are kind of in decline. You don't really see that anymore. They don't go, they, you don't win. It's a That's scam. stupid, too. That, first off, those machines should not be a scam. And secondly, gastro pubs are great, except for the fact they don't have a claw machine in them ever. Right. Yeah. But then once once you get one win, any kid gets one win, they go, now I got the secret of the claw machine, so let me pour $200 more in over the next six months. Yep. All right. We need claw machine 2.0, like a, a winnable claw machine game that is worth playing. Hey, Sid from Toy Story won when he got Buzz Lightyear. So. That, that's the best claw machine win of all time. <laughs> all right. Um, fantasy draft, top value, tight end. Well, number two is Eric Ebron. That's a pretty good call. Uh, number one is Jordan Reed. You like that? Yeah. I mean, Jordan Reed went healthy. You just got to make sure you're playing a slate that includes the Monday night game. But I I love that setup for him. He's kind of a focal point in their passing game. 
you kind of assume that Marshawn Lattimore maybe gets a little bit of Jamison Crowder, so that would kind of pump up Reed a little bit in that matchup. All right, let's go to FanDuel. Um, quarterback Deshaun Watson. There's Derek Carr again. And Andrew Luck's third, which was – that's a good call. Uh, running backs. Yeah, the FanDuel, the value they, the value report is boring for FanDuel. Uh, Kamara, Gurley, McCaffrey. Boring. I mean, we know How about why. James Conner, though? James Conner being fifth. Like, I think he's the least interesting player of the big names in that game. So that yeah. maybe makes him – lower owned than Brown and Julio and Juju. So I don't know. I, I kind of like the James Connor. Like I, I like him. Too. I like that. He's getting pointed out there. Yeah. I, I like James. I like this matchup for James Connor too. Uh, wide receivers. Yeah. Julio Antonio. There's Chester Rogers again from last night. And then Corey Davis. So Chester Rogers is everywhere. Corey Davis. I understand why he's the clear-cut number one. They don't have to put a ton of the points on the board for him to be useful. Um, you know, I, I, I get it. Uh, I, I don't think I'd go. I don't think I'd go down to Taylor even in tournaments unless you believe that Buffalo's offense will find ways to score some points and enforce the Tennessee Titans to throw more than thirty passes in this game. All right, so three guys in the very within two hundred dollars of each other. Ready, Corey Davis. Tyler Boyd, Amari Cooper. Very same price range. Who do you want? Cooper, I think, is my think my so general too. approach. Um, Chargers are, are bad. No, no Joey Bosa changes the pass rush. It, uh, Jason Verrett getting hurt in the, is it the preseason. Was it before the preseason? It wasn't in a preseason game. Camp, it was the first day of camp he yeah, got hurt. I think you're right. You know, that, that just took a lot away from that pass defense. As good as Casey Hayward is, I, I think you can... You kind of see things working out just fine for that Oakland passing game this week. So Cooper Cooper comes away first. I think I like Tyler Boyd a tick more than Corey Davis this week because of the over-under total in that game. It's 48 and a half. The, yep. the, the Bills-Titans game is 39 and a half. And if Bengals-Dolphins is a little bit more back and forth, and if A.J. Green sees a lot of Xavier and Howard, Tyler Boyd gets the better matchup on the other side. And I think it's Miami's other corners that really leave them vulnerable to getting beat through the air. So Tyler Boyd could be a, a good value yet again this week. Tight end values, FanDuel, um, top values, Jimmy Graham, Vance McDonald, Jordan Reed again. Um, Vance McDonald I like. I mean, I like everybody in that game. I guess we all do. Uh, DraftKings, now we're going to get a little interesting with these because of the pricing structure. Let's go to quarterbacks. Are you looking at it or not? I do have it open. Okay. I mean, I run Again, my own thing. It's very similar. It comes up with basically the same results. So Derek Carr, by far. By a lot. By a lot at 5,200. The biggest value according to the DraftKings value report. And I, I think the way quarterbacks are priced on DraftKings distributes ownership rates around where you're not worried about quarterbacks getting too chalky, even, even at a low price like that. Yep. All right. Running and the next quarterbacks are Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan. Running back, your man Aaron Jones, top of the list at forty three hundred on DraftKings. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, T.J. Yeldon's up there too. His price is up at least fifty six hundred. And then Christian McCaffrey, uh, Buck Allen is here. Um, Austin Eckler is here because their salaries are low. Uh, and wide receiver, here we go again. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Top of the heap on the value meter for DraftKings at wide receiver. 
Liz is somewhere in Europe right now, <laughs> offline, and I can't even contact and tell him that he's just wrong about Marquez Valdez Scantling. But he is going to be a little more interesting playing on the outside as opposed to playing in the slot. Like Equinemius St. Brown should be in the slot. That actually gives him better matchups, though. So if you said, which one of those guys are you playing? Like you're playing infinity lineups because you have the biggest bankroll on the planet, which yep. I have almost the opposite. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown would be the Packers rookie receiver I'd be most interested in playing, but I'm probably not playing enough lineups to do it. All right. Um, after that, Sanu, Devontae Parker, who was listed as questionable, didn't play last week, I don't think. Um, Mike Williams is up there, too. We're going to go to tight end. I think we've got a repeat guy. Now Austin Hooper, top of the list here. Um, Nick Vinette is up there. Rhett Ellison. Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> Again, Stop I it. referenced the Denny's gumball machine. <laughs> right. It's a value. Oh, right. He's not good. I forgot. <laughs> That's what he's about. I don't know why I said I keep saying Denny's either. They, they're not paying me to say that. I don't eat there. I don't, I don't believe in their brand. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's really odd. But that's that's those, those that store brand toilet paper is a great value. All right, because it sucks. That's why it's a good value. It's yeah, the, the, the with the Wegman's toilet paper. <laughs> we don't have Wegman's here. I don't have that here either. I was trying to guess what you had in Charlotte. What do you have? Food Lion, Publix, uh, Harris. We have some Publix. Harris Teeter's the regional, but yeah, yeah. yeah. You're you're in the ACC country, so I figured Publix was a safe bet. Publix is, is not bad. They've started to make inroads, and there's grocery wars, so it's kind of fun. you got to see the supermarket, by the way. And, and folks, yeah, we're, we're, we're done with the value report. I'm going to run one thing in a minute. But the new Harris Teeter grocery store that opened near my house, it is full bar with 12 beers on tap. What? Tables, TV. It's, it's insane. It's like I went to, the first day I went there. Because, I mean, my wife works in office. I work from home. So parts of the day, I'm like, all right, I got to go grocery shopping. And I went in there. I texted one of my buddies. I said, I think I want to hang out at Harris Teeter. <laughs> That's an interesting approach to, uh, to the grocery game. I mean, you think about, like, they have everything they need to make anything they want. Like, Hy-Vee does that in the Midwest. Like, they have a, a fully functioning restaurant yeah. in, inside the store, plus... All of the various bars, right? They have like the the pizza bar and the, I, I don't know, the Asian cuisine bar, I think I'd call it, because there's some little sushi areas and then there's the American Chinese food, you know, requisite fried items, uh, sake veggies with sauces. But it, it looks decent. It looks edible. It, it looks better than the old grocery store foods that were pre-made. So I, I think they're onto something. Yeah. This this is quite. I'm gonna take a picture for you next time I go to this store to show you what the bar looks like. All right, I'm, I'm in. Wine I'm bar. in. There's I, big. There's big bar tables. There's probably ten bar tables. Is there a claw machine? There's no claw machine. It's a good point. That's what you, you should fill out a comment card next time you're in there <laughs> drinking one of the beers. Say this place would be great if it had a claw machine. Yeah, I would be all over that. All right. So now what I'm gonna do is we're gonna go to the optimizer. Okay. All right. I'm going to go to an optimizer and we are going to put in, we're going to do fantasy draft. We are going to go with their Deshaun Watson as a lock. There we go. He's locked now. And which one, which of Camaro Julio and Jordan Reed do you want in with him? Mm, 
let's say Reed, actually, because we're playing a big slate as Sunday night and Monday night. So we might as well use Reed, too. Okay. Generate optimal lineup. The Rotowire DFS optimizer, which is loading, says Watson, Kamara, McCaffrey, Yeldon, Julio, Sanu, Julio and Sanu. Jordan Reed at tight end, Tennessee Titans defense, and at the final wide receiver slot, Marquez Valdez-Scanley. Hmm. He's okay, everywhere. So he, he, he won't go away. So here's what I would do. <laughs> I, would, I would X out uh, Sanu and Valdez-Scantling. Uh, I don't want to stack two receivers. I'm not using the quarterback. So yep. that's what takes Sanu out. And I just think the, the Valdez-Scantling projection is some kind of like Liss wine bottle story. <laughs> Like exp- there's no, there's no other explanation. Like he, he just some Portuguese sausage and wine festival happened, and then he watched that that game where Valdez Scantling ran the wrong route twice and convinced himself that that was going to be a good idea. So I ran it again with those two guys excluded. Me too. It bounced back Austin Hooper. Yep. And Amari Cooper. So that's a little better. Hooper's fifty five hundred on fantasy draft. Like that is amazingly cheap and clearly there's a, a flex sort of thing going on here because uh it's throwing two tight ends there's got to be one one other player that cheap that i like better it's definitely not red ellison it's definitely not cj uzoma ian thomas if you want to go two tight ends yes! and at least have exposure to something different that, that's that's the that's the helping lineup if you want to know what that one looks like this week uh ricky seals jones no nope, that put me over the cap there's got to be a pivot I, t- I took out Hooper, and it ran me back Jimmy Graham, then Devontae Parker, and Kareem Hunt instead of whoever the third running back was. So, All right, so here, here's my takeaway on optimizers, if you haven't heard it before. Yeah. Tinker with it. Do not ever run the optimizer one time and say, that's my lineup. Like, just did, don't do that. I did that two weeks ago, and, and the optimizer gave with what I wanted – it it filled my lineup in with Tyler Boyd and, and Calvin Ridley, and I tinkered, and look where that got me nowhere. Well, that, that okay, lost but, me three hundred fifty yards and three touchdowns. But you locked in a few guys you liked before you ran it, right? Because I think yeah. some people run it just to see what it says from scratch, and then they start building a lineup off that. I think you want to lock in any pieces you like, and then run it, and then tinker a little bit from there. But you can, if you have three or four people you lock in, I think you can play a lineup that it spits out after you run it, if you've got multiple pieces that you've chosen yourself. All right. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it right there. Um, check out the DFS Optimizer and uh, check for FanDuel or DraftKings or Fantasy Draft, who's sponsored today's podcast. We really appreciate that. Um, so if basically, you're just your weekend is about the Brewers. Otherwise, you don't care about a lot, right? Yeah, and I guess I'm making food for the next month this weekend, too, because it's going to rain, so i got that to look forward to. Making food for the next month? That, that's the that's the text I received from uh, Mrs. VR earlier today. <laughs> okay. Somebody somebody at the place she went for lunch may have not been wearing a hairnet, and that ah. person's that person's health code violation has led me to a weekend of of chopping, freezing, soaking, you know, preparing food uh, for the very very long future. Well, she's not, and a, probably buying a chest freezer. She's not a germaphobe though. No, right. we're, we're, I mean, we're equally, we're equally annoyed by dirty things. Yeah. I think everyone, I don't know, man. Like if, if you go somewhere and you order food and there's a hair on it, like you're sending it back, right? Yes. Yeah. I think that's a pretty normal sort of reaction. She took her food to go. 
and got back to her work and she's like, oh crap, like I do not want to eat this. Yeah. I do not have time to go anywhere else. And in her, her rage, which I, I mean, <laughs> I don't think she was angry. I think she was just disappointed. She's like, yeah, we're, I'm done eating out. We're, we're going to prep meals for the next month and buy a chest freezer this weekend. And I was oh, like, oh, growing up is terrible. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see photos of everything. I want to see the loaded up freezer. Yeah, no, I, I will. And everyone listening is like, you guys lead two really boring lives. Like John's going to tweet out a picture of a grocery store. Yes. DVR is going to have a, a new chest freezer in his apartment and a bunch of chopped up peppers and meats and stuff all over the counter. And um, yeah, I mean, at least the Brewers don't play on Saturday. Right. And, and the good news is. It is the steak dinner for uh, the Rotowire Baseball Steak League on Saturday night. We're going to a local Brazilian steakhouse nice. where, where meat sweats are pretty much guaranteed and uh, everything's usually delicious. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Have fun with that one. That sounds great. Yeah. What, what do you got going on? You got to be doing something more interesting than prepping meals for a month. Watching the Yankees tonight, coaching baseball practice tomorrow, going out to dinner, nothing. It's not exciting. Oh man, you know, if I could go back in time, like eight years, and and have a kid, and then have to go to like coach tomorrow instead of prep all those meals, yeah. I think I would I'd make that trade. I think I'm gonna watch the. I think I told you what we did at the house earlier this summer. I'm, I think I'm gonna watch Giants Panthers from from my pool on Sunday. That's exactly what you should do. You should do that anytime it's possible to yep. do that. Because anything. It's, it's still 88 degrees here. It's, you know, it's going to be nice out. We just put the TV outside. We're all, I'm all, I'm loaded up. It's a pretty, I got a pretty good setup back there. I got to admit. It's, you, you have to use that because my, my biggest life driven opposition to football, which it's my job and I, I, I like football. I, I like watching it. I, I really do. I just don't like missing out on the small handful of really nice Sundays we get here at the beginning of the season. Yep. Like I feel like I'm really, throwing something away when I just bunker down from an hour before kickoff until the end of the Sunday night game, just watching football outside while it's 65 and perfect. So if you can watch football and be outside, you have found a happy medium. Yes. I, I will, I will send you a photo of that too. After I'll send you the grocery store photo and the pool TV viewing photo for this weekend. That's, that's those, those things are on my to-do list. All right. Well, I'm I'm off to go rent a pickup truck from probably a hardware store to throw a chest freezer from Costco into. So nice. That's oh. that's my to do list. All right. Well, thanks, Derek. Good luck to your Brewers and to my Yankees, folks. Listeners to the podcast, get a free 10 day RotoWire trial at RotoWire.com/pod. No credit card needed to do that, so you can check out nearly all the features on the site, including that DFS optimizer. Take a look now, RotoWire.com/pod. Uh, please leave us a rating or review wherever you're listening. We appreciate it, and thank you so much for listening to this edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. We'll be back on Monday. It'll be Tim and me reviewing the weekends. So please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in Week Five.